Or maybe uh, you're familiar with the full-length animated Disney feature film, or, or perhaps uh, you've seen one of the many uh, live-action movies or even the TV shows based on the story. Or maybe like me, uh, you've seen the Broadway musical, I've seen it twice. But one way or another, I'm sure you are familiar with the story, right? There's an arrogant young prince who, because of his own bad behavior, ends up falling under a curse, right? And he's so cursed that he becomes a beast, and he has to live out his life as a hideous beast, and only true love can break the curse. But what are the chances of that, right? Because, after all, who could ever love a beast, but as we find out, there's this beautiful young girl. Her name is Belle, and she pops into the picture. Bonjour, 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 bonjour. Right? Remember that? Belle comes in, and Belle becomes the her heroine in this story, right? And she's eventually going to come around to love him, and we could see this beginning to happen. And through a series of events, it happens. And she learns to love him, and just when it looks like they're going to live happily ever after the angry townspeople attack the castle and the beast is slain and he lays there coughing and bleeding on the balcony as Belle holds uh, him in her arms and finally as the last petal falls she confesses her love to him but I love you she says and then suddenly the scene shifts right and 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 he begins to levitate. And he begins to spin around. And as he spins around, he begins to change. And his claws become hands. And, and his fur sort of comes off. And he starts to look like a handsome young prince. If you ask me, he's not that handsome even after he becomes a prince. But that's neither here nor there. I think I'm handsome. So what do I know? So anyways, this this uh, beast is transformed, right? He's transformed into something that you never thought he could be. The curse is reversed. And he is transformed into this handsome and loving, kind prince. And then, of course, there's smooching and dancing and all of that kind of stuff. And, and all the girls go, oh, and then they live happily ever after. It's a great story, right? It's a familiar story. You might say it's a tale as old as time. And it's told in a hundred different ways. And it's told in all kinds of different cultures. And it's been told over the decades of time. And every time I'm exposed to it, it moves my heart. And I think the reason is that it's so, it's so um, popular, it resonates with everybody. I think the reason is because you could say it's the story. It's the story that mankind was created to relate to. It's the story of our lives, right? Someone is under a curse. And true love comes to reverse the curse. And to bring about transformation. And with that transformation comes this abundant life, or you might say, happily ever after. Last week we talked about the difference between change and transformation. 
we, we change our minds, right? We, we change our clothes. We change our hair color or hairstyle, shall we say, right? I wish I could change my hairstyle. But transformation is different than change. Transformation is what happens when the beast becomes a prince, right? Transformation is what happens in, in Les Mis when Jean Valjean receives the candlesticks and he understands grace for the first time in his life and he undergoes a transformation. Transformation is what happens when Snow White is kissed by the prince, right? That's transformation. That's something entirely different than change. Change, as we saw last week, is the mimic octopus. Transformation is a butterfly. And the story of the Bible, from beginning to end, is a story about a curse and people who are under a curse who desperately need transformation that can only come about when a perfect prince comes and with his perfect love brings about that transformation and happily ever after becomes possible as the curse is reversed. It's summed up for us in 2 Corinthians 5.17. We looked at this last week. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature, Old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. That's what it means to reverse the curse. That is transformation. Or think about the way Paul explains it to us uh, in Romans 5. Take your Bibles and turn to Romans chapter 5. In Romans 5, Paul has been explaining the nature of this curse. And he's been talking about how we're all under this curse ever since the Garden of Eden, ever since Adam and Eve partook of the fruit. And under Adam, we're under the curse. And we're under this curse in numerous ways. And he begins to explain it. And we're going to pick it up in verse 15 of Romans chapter 5. Follow along with me. Romans 5, 15 and following. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign through the life of the one, Jesus Christ. So then, this is the part I want you to get. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness, to eternal life 
through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So, so let me just summarize that. I, I know that's kind of a confusing language that Paul's using there. Let me just summarize it for you real simply. He basically is saying this. We are all being crushed under the weight of the curse which comes as a result of our sin. And we were all in that condition until Jesus came along and reversed the curse to bring a life out of death. So last week, we talked about God's plan for transformation in our lives. And we were all asked to take a good, long, hard, honest look in the mirror and ask ourselves whether we see that transgression or that transformation, I should say, taking place in our own lives. That message last week, if you didn't see it, I would encourage you to go back and watch it. But that message last week was meant to be a wake-up call. It wasn't particularly fun to hear, and that's okay. Sometimes we need to hear news that isn't so fun to hear. But it was meant to be a wake-up call, and none of us really likes wake-up calls. I mean, how do you feel about your alarm clock when it goes off at 5.30 in the morning? Probably not real good, right? I have hated my alarm clock at 5.30 in the morning numerous times, but you know what? Sometimes you need to be awakened. And if you've got somewhere you've got to be, you should be thankful for that alarm clock that goes off and shakes you awake. That's what God's trying to do in our lives. And by making us look in the mirror and think about the difference between change and transformation and what's really happening in our lives, hopefully we're awakened to the need for some more transformation to take place. So last week, my goal was to wake you up. Not particularly fun. This week... The goal of my message is to build you up. It's to encourage you. It's to strengthen you in your walk with Christ. It's to help you to see that you don't have to be weighed down by the weight of the curse, but you could be set free to spread your wings and fly. So let's start with the problem. And the problem is really simple. If you just boil it down, the problem is this. The bottom line of God's law could be said this way, obey and live, disobey and die. I mean, isn't that really what he said to Adam and Eve? You know, he puts them in this garden and he puts that tree in the middle of the garden and says, do not eat from this tree. Obey and live, disobey and die. For when you eat of the tree, you will surely die. And of course, we know what happened. And death reigned from the time of Adam. And that's what Paul was explaining in Romans chapter 5. From the Garden of Eden, right? Obey and live, disobey and die. In, in Romans, if, you just, uh, if you're still in Romans, look at chapter 6 and move over to verse 23 of Romans chapter 6. Well-known verse, it says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 3.23 tells us that we have all sinned. We're all under the curse. We've all fallen short of the standard of God's perfection. And therefore, we're all in deep trouble because the wages of sin is death. So we're all under the curse. You might say we're doubly guilty, right? We inherit a sin nature through our father Adam, every one of us. And so we're guilty in that sense. We're under the curse. But 
we also sin by choice. So we're sinners by nature. We're sinners by choice. We're doubly guilty. And that means we're all without excuse before a holy God. And we're all subject to what the Bible calls the law of sin and death. Now, I know you're saying, I thought you were going to try to build us up in this message. Hang in there. Be, hang in there with me. You see, after describing the power of the curse in Romans 5 and 6, Paul uses Romans 7 to like lament his own shortcomings. He talks about how he stumbles. Even the great apostle Paul still grappling with the flesh and, and, and sometimes losing those battles of temptation. I'm sure you can't relate to that. I read, I read Romans 7. I'm like, wow, even the great godly apostle Paul struggled with the flesh. Maybe, maybe there's hope for me after all. He kind of sums it up at the end of uh, Romans chapter 7. He says, you know that passage, the things that I do not wish to do, I do. And the things that I wish to do, I do not do. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? And that's kind of how he wraps up chapter 7 of Romans. Huh. Can you relate? Does that sound like familiar thinking? Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from the body of this death? And that brings us to what is, in my opinion, perhaps the most shining chapter in all of Scripture. I love, love, love Romans chapter 8. And, and usually when we look at Romans 8, we're looking at the end of it. And we'll get there today. But I want us to begin in the beginning with all of Romans chapter 5. Hey, we got a problem with sin. All of Romans chapter 6. Hey, we're all under the curse. The wages of sin is death. All of Romans chapter 7. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who will set me free from the body of this death? And then he begins Romans chapter 8 with these words. Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set us free from the law of sin and death. No condemnation. Did you hear that? Hopefully you're not still sitting down. I assume you're all in your living room standing up cheering for God at the top of your lungs. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation. How much condemnation? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's transformational work. That is the gospel. That's the glory of the cross. That is incredible news. Because the law is devastating. There, there are just some laws that are just plain oppressive. I was reading recently about 10 women in the Sudan who were arrested because they dared to wear pants in public. And do you know what their penalty was? They were whipped in the town square. Why? Because in the Sudan, they're under Sharia law. And Sharia law demands 
that women must be covered in a certain way. And if they're not, the punishment is severe. They're under the law. And therefore, they face that terrible, terrible consequence. As long as you're under the law, you have to bear the weight of the law. Or, or maybe it's easier for you to relate to if you think of it this way. There are, there are certain laws in nature, like take, for instance, the law of gravity, right? I, I am standing here on the ground because of the law of gravity. It pulls you to the earth. You know about the law of gravity, right? We're all under the law of gravity. We all have to deal with the law of gravity. And in case you don't know it, because the law of gravity, human beings cannot fly, I don't care how much you believe you're going to be able to fly. If you go running off a cliff, you are going to splat at the bottom because of the law of gravity. You're under the law. It's as simple as that. Because of the law of gravity, you can't fly. Well, don't tell that to the Wright brothers. The Wright brothers realize that there are other laws at play, Right? They said, you know, there are certain laws of thermodynamics, there are certain laws of aerodynamics which can overcome the law of gravity. And because they knew that, people fly every day now. We get in a big metal tube that weighs thousands and thousands of pounds and we fly thousands of miles across oceans today. Why? Because the law of thermodynamics, the law of aerodynamics overcomes the law of gravity, when it's applied correctly. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Oh, my friends, as Christians, this is our hope. This is, this is the gospel. This is the good news. It begins with the fact that you're under the weight of the law and it's crushing you. But it continues to say that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Set you free from the law of sin and death. The curse is bad news. But do not fret for there's good news too. In Christ we've been set free. The curse is reversed in Christ. And that freedom is powerful. In fact, that freedom that we have in Christ is transformational. Now, if you're in Romans, just turn one book to the right and go to 1 Corinthians and find with me 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Okay? Now, I wish I had a, a half hour to preach on this passage in 1 Corinthians 6. I don't. There's a lot to explain that I'm not going to get to explain it. You might want to study it at home this week yourself. But I just want us to see with, uh, with the bluntness and abundant clarity the, the, the problem in our lives because of the law. Beginning in chapter 6, verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, he says. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That's quite a list, isn't it? And, and it's not an exhaustive list, but, but here's the point of the list. 
if sin is what defines your character, if sin is what defines the pattern of your life, he doesn't just say um, somebody who had too much to drink. He says a drunkard, right? He doesn't just say, you know, um, somebody who has a, a bit of a problem with envy. He says, no, the covetous. He doesn't just say uh, somebody who wants rip somebody off. He goes, no, a swindler. This is the life-defining sin. And he says, when sin is what defines your life, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven, the law of, of the curse, right? Sin weighs you down. It keeps you from the freedom that God has in mind. That's what he's saying. And then it goes on. Verse 11. And such were, circle that word were, such were some of you, but, circle the word but, such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. You were under that same penalty. You were under that same law. You were under that same curse, but it's not like that anymore. You're a former idolater. You're a former adulterer. You're a former swindler and so forth. God is saying you can be made new. We're not talking about adjustment. We're not talking about change. We're talking about transformation. Such were some of you, but by the grace of God, you're not anymore. Now you've been made alive in Christ. You know why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. God's grace is transformational. God's grace sets you free. Just like the prince in the story, you were not created to be a beast. Just like Jean Valjean in Les Mis you were not created to be a prisoner. Just like Snow White, you were not created to have some pseudo life where you don't even really wake up and live. You were created for so much more. You're not meant to live under the power of the curse. You were created to walk in newness of life. You were never intended to crawl like a caterpillar. You were made to fly like a butterfly. And I think that's God's call in our lives to spread our wings and actually live the life that he has in mind for us to live. You were to be lifted by the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, set free, no longer a prisoner to the power of sin and death, no longer under the weight of the curse, but actually flying, soaring, if you will. That is good news. And just in case you're not rejoicing yet, I want to close today by reading you the last part of Romans 8. And I can't read it without rejoicing. Join me in Romans chapter 8 beginning in verse 33. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather who was raised. Who's at the right hand of God. Who also intercedes for us. 
Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? For just as it is written, for your sake we're being put to death all day long. For we're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can somebody say amen? Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Why? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Because God loves you that much. Because the transformational work is taking place in your life because of the grace of God. And if you're not experiencing that transformational work just yet, if you've never known what it is like to be lifted above the weight of the curse, I implore you, today is the day for you to say yes to Jesus, for you to open your heart, open your arms, and welcome him into your life, to allow him to be Lord and not just Savior, to actually walk with him in newness of life. You know what? Forget walking with him. Fly with him. Don't you think it's time to spread your wings? And if you're a Christian who, who's just been settling for crawling like a caterpillar when you were made to fly like a, cat, like a uh, butterfly, I want to remind you today, those wings are at your disposal. They're not just for show. God's inviting you to soar. And so for those of you who have felt weighed down, for those of you who have felt overwhelmed by the weight sin and judgment I want you to know Jesus has paid the price to set you free spread your wings soar that's God's will for your life transformation Father we want to say thank you that we don't have to crawl anymore we want to say thank you that we're no longer crushed under the weight of our sin and guilt and the curse that comes through that we want to say thank you that it is not Adam's behavior that characterizes our life. It is the behavior of Christ who set us free and that we are not under the law of sin and death, but we have been set free by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.